homage to the Buddha, the Dhamma and the Sangha. So this is the next part in unlocking the Buddha's code. And I thought we'd go through the insight pathway for the Karaniya Metta Sutta in order to actually take this uh, series a bit further. And in the first part of the series, we were looking at why Sutta meditation. And in particular, we're looking at the Buddha's method of instruction and looking at the Dhamma and the Vinaya or uh, the discipline as our teacher and looking at the importance of actually following the Buddha's steps, being suvicha towards the Buddha. And in the second part, we started to look at jnanapathas, uh, the insight pathways, also sometimes knowledge pathways or wisdom pathways, and how this is something that the Buddha realized and, and used as his method of instruction. And so when we're able to extract those insight pathways, to meditate on those inside pathways in a sequential manner, you actually get to the result that the Buddha talks about because normally when the Buddha gives inside pathways, he shows you step by step what leads to what and the result of that and the opposing one. Uh, one is normally kusala and one is akusala. And so he always gives the uh, akusala for us to see the mechanics behind how we essentially create this birth and how we uh, come to create another birth and on the kusala side he's actually saying how we don't do that and uh, basically not come to another whole mass of suffering and in part three I thought I'd go through Karaniya Metta Sutta because we've actually studied the Karaniya Metta Sutta in a lot of detail uh, to learn that and there's a clear insight pathway in the Karaniya Metta that we've looked at but I'd like to look at it through the lens of the mechanics that we've uncovered, uh, particularly in, in part two, the Adisila, the Adichitta, and the Adipanya, the higher virtue, the higher thought, and the higher wisdom. Because once you can see that, this is giving you a way to actually unlock. Because essentially, we go to teachers to actually try and understand the Buddha's teachings. But if someone teaches you the mechanics, then you can start to see it for yourself and you can consult with teachers and other Kalyanamitta in order to, to check. But essentially, once you figure it out yourself, then you can actually start to meditate yourself, unlock it yourself, because different parts of the Pali Canon support these insight pathways. And so you know whether you are actually following the teachings of the Buddha in the correct way, because as you've seen from how we look at suttas, we bring in other teachings of the Buddha to confirm and affirm that what we're uh, interpreting of the Buddha's words and phrases is true and that we start to really understand the meaning behind them, the true meaning, not the misinterpretation or the subversion of the meaning, but the true meaning of what Buddha is saying. Because the repetition in the suttas is really what, what gives us confidence, one part of the confidence that it's true. The real confidence comes in of when we practice it and we see it for ourselves to be true because we get the exact result that the Buddha says, whether it's kusala or akusala. Using your own examples, you actually see for yourself, ah, oh, that, that this is right, this is what the Buddha was saying and it really is the outcome. And uh, and so we'll, we'll look at the Karani Metta Sutta today uh, and, and just take this Unlocking the Buddha's Code series a, a step further. 
So when we looked at the Kalaha Vivada Sutta, Nidesa, but in actual fact, when we looked at the Kalaha Vivada Sutta, which was in the uh, Sutta Nipata, we pulled out uh, this phrase about training in insight pathway. I think it was Kathankati Nyanapataya Sike. So that's training in the insight pathway. And as I was saying before, the Buddha had realized uh, these inside pathways for himself. And so that's why he, he speaks of, of training in them, particularly if one is doubtful, if one is uh, caught up in you know unhappiness and hatred, uh, particularly because where our lens is, we always see things through the lens of sata, sata. It's either we like it or we don't like it. This is pleasing or this is displeasing. And a lot of our misapprehension become, comes through this, uh, this dual way of looking at things, the lens of uh, seeing it in that way. And because we purely see it in that way, and the word is divaya meva, this, this dual way of seeing it, we, we often misapprehend and therefore we choose, let's come back again. And the Buddha is saying, if you train through morality, through thought, and through wisdom, the higher training of these, then you actually start to break uh, the, the wrong view. And that is what you're always trying to do. So when you learn the Karini Metta um, in accordance with the Buddha's teaching, that is what really rings true. Now, many people uh, teach Metta Bhavana, so loving kindness meditation, in a different way. And that's not to say it's wrong, but it's it's probably to say it's not following the Buddha's instructions. But it's also to say it doesn't activate the inside pathway for this reason. Because if you're not uh, teaching loving kindness with morality, with the higher thought and with the higher wisdom, then these ingredients are missing to activate the inside pathway that the Buddha talks about. And so you're not breaking any links in the Paticca Samuppada, the dependent origination, which is really the crux of where the Buddha is coming from in all his teachings, that he is giving us means and ways to actually break one of the links, at least in the Paticca Samuppada, the dependent origination. Now, when you learn from other teachers, that's perfectly fine in the sense of wanting to uh, wish well to the world. It, it's a good practice to actually have that. But it doesn't actually pack any punch when it comes to what's missing. Because it's only from purification through the higher morality that you're really wishing from a very wholesome place. And also when you have the right view, you're actually wishing from a place that really starts to know uh, the predicament of all of us that all living beings are in this dire predicament and so the wishing of loving kindness comes from a much more profound place and the higher wisdom is when you start to glean the way out of this predicament and when you wish from that place that's that's even more powerful so it's from this uh, understanding that you see the value of the Buddha's teaching in the Karaniya Metta Sutta, that, that there's something uh, much deeper uh, to the practice of loving kindness and uh, very worthwhile to learn. And so in the commentary in the Mahanidesa, uh, which is attributable to 
Venerable Sariputta, you really see the emphasis when he explains that training in inside pathways is really about Adisila, Adichitta and Adipanya, higher morality, higher thought and higher wisdom. Let's have a quick review of the Mahanidesa and what it says about training in higher morality. It says one is virtuous, one dwells restrained, one is consumer in behavior and sphere of activity, one sees danger even in the slightest faults, and having undertaken training rules, one trains in them. And then training in higher thought or concentration of mind. The Mahanidesa says one is secluded from sensual pleasures, one is secluded from unwholesome states, Therefore, one enters and dwells in the first jhana, one enters and dwells in the second jhana, one enters and dwells in the third jhana, and one enters and dwells in the fourth jhana. And then lastly, training in higher wisdom. It says, one possesses wisdom that discerns arising and passing away, which is noble and penetrative and leads to the complete destruction of suffering. One understands as it really is the four noble truths, one understands as it really is the taints, their origin, cessation, and the way leading to their cessation. When we look at the Karaniya Metta Sutta, what's evident is that the Buddha is training us in higher virtue. That is very, very evident, particularly if you've been through uh, the explanation of the core virtues and, and the whole of this meditation. Now, it begins right at the beginning by training in Dasakusala, the ten skilled states. That by the end of this meditation, by the end of it, when you come down to being virtuous in the last verse of Karanimetta Sutta, all the way through the Buddha is training us in higher virtue. So you can come to this meditation not understanding virtue, but by the end of learning this meditation and practicing this meditation one has a very very good understanding of of virtue and higher morality that the buddha is training us in the ten skilled states or the wholesome conduct so through body speech and mind so the not killing the not taking what hasn't been given that is stealing uh, not uh, having sexual misconduct or if one wants to practice at to a higher degree then not uh, misusing sensual pleasures. With the verbal side, it's not lying, uh, not having harsh speech, not having divisive speech, and understanding not to have empty speech, that all these speeches are rooted in greed, hatred, and delusion. And so one understands that you train not to have those. And then with the mind, the Buddha is saying through mental action, one corrects the view so that you have right view. And the Buddha is actually doing that in this meditation throughout. And one uh, does not have ill will. So all the way through, metta is a medicine for ill will. And what you realize in doing this meditation is that the Buddha is correcting any grudges, any hostility, any misapprehension about why one would have ill will to another. That when you see that all living beings are your brothers and sisters in birth, old age, sickness and death, that ill will is, is quite unnecessary and quite um, silly in many ways and, and unhelpful. And that out of an understanding, you, you wouldn't wish 
harm on anybody else. You wouldn't wish suffering on anybody else because we're all in this same boat of having been bound to samsara, bound to uh, the wrong idea about this, being deceived by samsara. Then, then you drop the ill will. And then finally, you drop covetousness when you have the right understanding, the right view around what brings us back to create another body, which is really a culmination of insight. But really, you can see from start to finish, this is really about training in, in higher virtue, that Buddha is encouraging us to be virtuous, to guard the sense doors, to not even do the slightest thing, that would uh, be unwholesome to actually when we take on any training rules such as this uh, skilled states or even if it's five precepts eight precepts whatever it is even the noble eightfold path that we adhere to it that we train in it so metta meditation is really around that training of uh, higher virtue from start to finish and then when it comes to aricitta the higher thought and concentration of mind well, the first two are around uh, refraining from sense, sense pleasures, like being secluded from sense pleasures. Well, this meditation is clearly doing that because it's correcting the view around sense pleasures and activating santindriya, which is controlling the sense faculties, knowing that if you go out through the eye, ears, nose, tongue, body, and therefore the mind, that there is danger, that Buddha reminds us there is burning, and not to misapprehend this form whether we see it, whether we hear it, whether we taste it, touch it, smell it, or uh, have it spin in our minds. When you do that, you're also protecting from the unwholesome. So when you're practicing the wholesome conduct, the 10 wholesome conduct through body, speech, and mind, you're protecting against the unwholesome. You're making strong intentions all the way through, determinations not to keep company with anything unwholesome. When you're doing that, what you're really saying is that as you purify, you're saying, I'm going to make the the third and the fourth right effort. So the third uh, right effort is really that this Samavayama is really saying that you're going to cultivate this metta meditation in order to actually cultivate good. But you're also saying the fourth because all the way through you're protecting, guarding whatever good that you have actually practiced. So as you are refining your sila, in this meditation, you're actually making strong determinations. Even at Thoroughly Upright, you're saying, I make a strong determination now that I've cleaned up and reaffirmed the importance of uh, these skilled states, the wholesome conduct by body and speech. Even at this point, in the beginning of the meditation, you're saying, I, I'm actually going to refrain. And so you're guarding around unwholesome thoughts. And so what are those unwholesome thoughts? Well, it's greedy thoughts. It's uh, ill will thoughts and then it's cruelty thoughts. And so that's what you're really guarding for. And when you start to do that, then you have the opportunity for the mental absorptions, the jhanas to take hold. And it's not something that you purposely, when you do karaniya metta, that you purposely go, I'm doing this for jhanas. No, what happens is that you start to purify. And when you purify and you have higher virtue, and when you purify and you have this understanding that there's a danger in sense pleasures and there's a danger in unwholesome, that you're actually refraining. So the first and second virya, the, um, you're abandoning anything unwholesome and you're also uh, 
preventing any unwholesome to arise. So by actually guarding against any of those thoughts and guarding the sense doors, then that's where your wholesome ground and, and very steady ground for jhanas to take hold. And when you enter the jhanas, the process is, is such that it, sometimes you're not even aware that you've entered the jhana because first jhana can be oftentimes quite subtle. And as you, uh, as you actually practice this meditation, it's not about the jhanas. They actually unfold for themselves. And so when you simply follow the steps in the meditation as the Buddha has prescribed it, in that sequence of steps, the insight pathway itself allows for adhicitta, this higher thought, the concentration of mind, to actually go through its process. All you need to do is guard the sense doors, refrain from sensual pleasures, refrain from the unwholesome, and therefore first jhana becomes second jhana, second jhana becomes third, third becomes fourth. The concentration is really uh, something that deepens and when people say that there's no thinking in the jhanas, uh, the Buddha never really said that as such. But what he said was um, there are certain things that take place sequentially when you uh, refrain from unwholesome. And when you refrain from unwholesome and you guard against ill will thinking in particular uh, and uh, greedy uh, type thinking and uh, cruelty or harmful thoughts, then this is what is really kusala because then you are having thoughts of renunciation, thoughts of non-ill will and thoughts of non-harm. And in this metta meditation, uh, what you'll find as you keep training, you'll see that happen, that there is a real concentration that comes in the mind when you, when you take the Buddha's words, when you take the Buddha's medicine. Now, when the panya comes in the higher wisdom what that really is is the culmination of all the all the meditation that you've corrected the view around sense pleasures and form you've corrected the view around me and mine as well and around this temporary happiness that in all these things you start burning because it's only temporary happiness and you suffer as a result of clinging, craving to temporary happiness. And by the end of this meditation, you come to an insight that is very strong, that it's around the, the sense faculties and how we come to be. And it's really, really you start to see the Four Noble Truths in a, a correct way, that you see that when you crave for something through the ear, eyes, nose, tongue, body, that this is the arising of creating another a body. Because if you really yearn for something through your eye, through your ear, through your nose, through your tongue, through this body, then you want to create another body. And likewise, you understand, well, if I don't go with that, if I actually make a wiser choice at the end of this life, and even during this life, that if you want to mitigate the amount of suffering one one experiences if you want to have a much more balanced rest of one's life, then you don't go so passionately uh, with so much yearning and wanting, excessive wanting towards sensual pleasures, 
that when you start to taste the sweetness of the Buddha's practice, that's what you lean towards rather than sensual pleasures, that you lean towards wholesome, you lean towards, excuse me, the concentration of mind that the Buddha says, because once you really start to train in this kind of sweetness, this sweetness is less harmful than the temporary sweetness of sense pleasures. So the Buddha emphasizes that jhanas, as an example, are not permanent happiness. They're also temporary happiness, but it is less harmful than the temporary happiness of sense pleasures. Because when you start to lean on jhanas, just as a means, but with the knowledge that that's not Nibbana, that you realize that, well, there is a ability to remove the gross greed. And this is what uh, Adipanya is really uh, activating here, is this final truth, that the final skilled state is you abandon covetousness, this excessive wanting for things, for sense pleasures. And when you make that recognition, when you have that realization, deep down in your meditation, then it fulfills the start of Adipanya. That you are starting to see that <clears throat> the non-arising, which is the cessation of, uh, of suffering, and then the final one on the four noble is the, of the four noble truths is the path leading out of suffering, which is the noble eightfold path. You really see that that is the Athangama, that is the non-arising. And when you see that, then you realize, okay, uh, particularly in metta meditation, I can choose not to come back into a mother's womb. That uh, at the point of death, if I am not hankering, am not yearning, and not greedy for sensual pleasures, then I have a choice. And one can attain anagami or non-returner. Because you have this understanding that uh, it's not worth coming back to create another body, you know, you don't you, you don't misapprehend any longer the ear, eyes, nose, touch, body. You actually break that link in the uh, paticca samuppada, the dependent origination, because you know what is conditioned in the middle <coughs> of dependent origination that those links can be broken. So this is a way of looking at karaniya metta to actually reaffirm that there is the insight pathway here that there is the Buddha showing us that uh, higher virtue, higher thought or concentration of mind, higher wisdom. This is what the Buddha is teaching in the Karaniya Metta Sutta. When you extract the Metta Insight Pathway into, say, these 15 steps, you realize that uh, Adi Zila, Adi Chitta, Adi Panya is what is activated, that the higher virtue, higher thought and higher wisdom is what is being activated and it's really quite a precious formula that Buddha has given that by practicing the Karaniya Metta Sutta in the way that the Buddha has instructed you actually uh, activate uh, and comprehend you start to comprehend the Four Noble Truths they actually see that uh, the first two parts are what causes the arising and then the last two parts are what really causes the cessation or the non-arising. And that's where wisdom is really starting to take hold. And the more you do Karini Metta, the more that you are training oneself in the path leading out of samsara, that you're really training in the Noble Eightfold Path in the correct way. 
because really the Noble Eightfold Path becomes the Noble Tenfold Path, uh, which are the last two being uh, the right knowledge and then the right liberation. And the good thing about the Karanimata Sutta is actually to really start learning it properly and really start training it well, because by talking about it, that's one thing, but by meditating on it and regularly, frequently meditating on it, as the Buddha has encouraged, is something that is leading, leaning towards Nibbana, leading towards Nibbana. And that is something that all of us must be encouraged to do. So in looking at the Karaniya Metta Sutta, uh, this is another way of looking at inside pathways. And it's good to really learn for yourself how to extract them uh, or to seek someone else who can actually show you and to show you how to meditate on it because that's key that these words of the Buddha are not just things that we talk about and then uh, put it back you know, onto the bookshelf in the, in the sense of uh, the Sutta Pitaka, but actually to glean, extract and then really practice it because it is in the practice of the uh, contemplation, the investigation of the Dhamma, that we release ourselves. And nobody can do it for us, so we have to actually do it for ourselves. So at the end of the day, no matter how much we listen to of Dhamma, we actually have to sit down and, and do that. And of course, Karaniya Metta can be done in all postures, and that's the beauty of Karaniya Metta. Buddha is encouraging that in all postures it can be done, so not just sitting, but standing, walking, lying down. As long as one has a clear mind when you're lying down, it, it's, it's okay to do the meditation that way. So we'll end this uh, part here, and in subsequent parts we'll look at further insight pathways in order to help each of us to actually be able to extract them ourselves and then to practice them. Let's share the merit with all sentient beings. May all beings be happy. May all beings be free from suffering. May all beings find safety. Blessings of the Triple Gem to all of you. Wishing you all well. Teruan Saranai.